0: Hey, welcome to this weekend's online-only edition of our services. We are in a series called Christmas at the Movies. We are taking some popular Christmas movies and pulling, believe it or not, biblical principles out of those movies and what we can learn and how we can apply those things to our lives. Last week, we used Home Alone Two, the sequel to Home Alone, learning about not repeating the same mistakes over and over again, that distractions can interrupt God's direction for our lives. But in the midst of those distractions, it doesn't mean that God's destiny for us is denied because God can use that and he cannot leave us alone alone. This week, as you can see in the descriptions, we are using The Grinch. What a timely presentation. We have been in our production of How Christmas Saved The Grinch, Friday, twice Saturday, Sunday night, and Monday night. Those showings are are full, have reached capacity, and we're having a great time with those. But we wanted to take the movie into Sunday morning and share a message specifically from that. Gonna do it a little bit differently today. Uh, I'm gonna preach the first point. Our next-gen pastor amber mesh is gonna preach point number two our student and connections pastor Weston Weaver is going to preach point number three he's also aka the Grinch so he will wrap that up and then uh, pastor Dylan will pray us out live on Sunday we gave you an opportunity to see the clip you can see that in the descriptions my point Is simply from the song Uh, you're a mean one and so point number one as we work together as a team today to present this message point number one is don't be a Grinch don't be a Grinch Jesus constantly tried to convince arrogant unapproachable people To be humble and approachable. In scripture, they're called Pharisees. In the movie, they're called the Grinch. Today, we would call them religious, possibly arrogant. So, the question that I have to ask myself if I don't wanna be a Grinch, oh, look, it's green. We normally go with yellow, it's creative. It's green for the Grinch. If I don't want to be a Grinch, I want to ask myself, am I approachable? I'll never forget, you know, everybody needs somebody in their life that that loves them but is not impressed by them. One of those people for me is Pastor Johnny Hunt. A little shout out. I'll throw it to him. He pastors a great church in Fairhope, Alabama, Celebration Church. He's been a best friend, mentor, big brother type figure that I never had for me. My first youth ministry event was Arkansas Youth Convention. And I came in with, I don't know, I think we had a solid three or four students that decided to ride with us to that event. And I came in and, and I was used to, you know, walking onto a baseball field or onto a campus and trying to carry myself in a certain way. And um, and that had not yet gone away and so i walked into that arkansas youth convention and pastor johnny walked up to me and he looked at me he goes man why are you walking around like a baney rooster like people can't come talk to you Why don't you lower your shoulders a little bit and look like somebody could walk up to you and have a conversation i don't know if he said all that but that's what i heard in my head i do specifically remember baney rooster you know a baney rooster is right he's walking around the yard he's got the baney rooster Are you approachable? Can people come to you? I'm not great at this. This That's why this was a great point for me. I have to be mindful of being interruptible, of being approachable, of not being naturally irritable. Ask it this way. Am I a friend everyone hopes to have or am I the one they dread to see coming? Am I the friend that everyone hopes to have? Am I the family member that everybody looks forward to seeing? Or am I the one that they all dread watching enter the room? Maybe ask this question. Am I a mean one? Mr. Grinch, am I a mean one? Do I encourage people or exhaust them? Do I build people up or do I break people down? Do people want to be around me? Do people enjoy being in my presence? Because I believe that people were drawn to Jesus. And and if, if I'm on his team, then people should want to be around me. People are attracted to authenticity. People are attracted to things that they want to be like, to the joy that we should walk in, to the peace that we should have in any situation, and yet the authority that we should walk within every situation. Do I build people up or do I just break them down? Do I encourage and exhort people or do I exhaust them? When people are around me, do they walk away defeated or do they walk away destined? Are they better because God put them in my path or am I a mean one? Paul wrote multiple letters to different churches, but to three different churches, the church of Corinth, the church of Ephesus, and the church of Thessalonica we see three different churches but one resounding message to all of those churches look with me and let's see if you can see this one message that Paul wrote to all three churches second Corinthians chapter 12 verse 19 I'm actually reading from the Berean study Bible version Paul says, have you been thinking all along that we were making a defense to you? We speak before God in Christ. And all of this, beloved, watch, is to build you up. To the church of Ephesus, chapter 4, verse 29, Paul writes, I'm reading from the New Living Translation this time. Don't use foul or abusive language. He's saying don't tear people down. Lift people up. Don't engage in this toxic verbalization. This defeated language. I can't help but think that Paul probably knew that the tongue defined life or death, blessing or cursing, and that our mouth is really just an amplifier of our heart. As Jesus had already written, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth basically just lets you know what's going on. So Paul says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful. So that your words will be an encouragement, not an exhaustion. Your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Verse 31 this is not a recommendation, this is a requirement. Verse 31 says, Get rid of all bitterness, get rid of all rage. Don't be a grinch. <laughs> get rid of all anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. We should get rid of that. It should not be allowed to exist. Watch. You don't just get rid of it. You replace it. Verse 32. Instead, be kind To each other, be kind one to another, forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. This is one of our quoted verses in our home. Hey, be kind one to another, forgiving one another just as God through Christ forgave you. Let that simmer for a second. Remember who you would be if it weren't for Jesus, and it will help you be more like Jesus. Final verse, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9. For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ. He saved us through our Savior Jesus. Not to pour out his anger on us, verse 10, because Christ died for us so that whether we are dead or alive when he returns... Whether we're still here in this physical body or this physical body is resting in our spirit and soul or with the Lord and we meet our bodies in the air. Whether we are dead or alive when he returns, we can live with him forever. Watch this, verse 11. So encourage each other. This one wraps it up for me. Encourage each other and build each other up just, just as you are prophetically already doing. Hey, watch this second clip. You can go to YouTube. You can see it in the comments and descriptions. Watch this second clip, and our next gym pastor, pastor, Amber Mesh, will follow with point number two.
1: So if you had the time to watch this clip, then point number two is pretty obvious. Don't forget about the Grinch. And if you didn't, I hope that you get to go back and watch. So, I don't know if you've noticed this, but this time of year isn't only Holly and Jolly. Sometimes it brings out the absolute worst, and not only us, but others like the Grinch. I'm reminded of Cindy Lou's statement though no matter how different they may appear, they should always be welcomed with holiday cheer. You know, thinking about the Grinch, he's known for being green, being smelly, and also being misunderstood. It's interesting though to consider his background. Why is the Grinch green and unlike everyone else? Well, he was from a different place and a different race of whose we could even say. The way that he looked was not something he could control, yet it was something others mocked or even feared. Have you been mocking anyone in your heart this Christmas because you don't want to actually get to know them? Maybe they don't seem worth the effort. You think you already know them, but really you're afraid of how different they are. They're so different that it makes you feel intimidated. So instead of ministering to them, you hold them at arm's length. Okay, let's talk about the smell. Why was he smelly? Okay, granted, according to the movie, he doesn't have the best hygiene. However, he was basically raised by himself. He left home at an early age and had no mentors. The only friend he had was a dog, a dog who probably wasn't that clean himself. There's most likely someone in your life that doesn't make the best decisions. They're not in their right mind. They tend to make you uncomfortable by the things they say. But is it possible that the person that's so hard to show love to is the one who needs it the most? Is it possible they were at some point in a situation that taught them to be the way they are? Maybe they didn't have encouragement, so now they're extremely negative. Maybe they didn't learn certain things that you learned growing up, and now they're just stuck in their past. You see, the Grinch was so misunderstood. He didn't actually just hate Christmas. He hated the feelings it brought up. He hated feeling lonely, rejected. He hated how the community saw him and marginalized him. He hated that Christmas reminded him of his past and of how others perceived him. I think some of us in here can relate to that. Years back, I was able to go on a long-term missions trip to Romania. I learned so much there about how to love people, where they're at. I realize that it's not always a formula. It's just letting Jesus in you, out to others, whatever that looks like. A quick understanding of races in Romania. There are two significant races. There's the gypsies and there are the Romanians. The gypsies are darker skinned. They're normally living in poverty. Um, they're known for not the best things. They have this lively music. They tend to exploit their children on the streets, begging. The Romanians are lighter skinned. Even if they themselves live in poverty, they are not judged for that. They're not judged the same way gypsies are based on the color of their skin. So basically what I'm saying is these races of people typically hate one another. I'm talking Romanians will kick gypsies on the street. They'll cuss them out, they'll throw things at them. They're regarded as trash to many Romanians because a deep-seated hatred exists between cultures. One day as I was walking with a friend, I saw a little gypsy girl that I knew on the street. She was with a group of her friends begging. She came out from among them, found me in line, and gave me a big kiss on the cheek. It was one of the best moments I've ever had. You see the fact that she didn't ask me for money, she knew me, she had a relationship, was growth for her. So I decided to buy her and her friends some ice cream to bless them. As I was doing all of this, the girl I was currently with begins to cuss at her. She continues to explain to me who gypsies are and that my whole body is now dirty because this little girl kissed my cheek. She explained to me that because I was American, I was ignorant to what I just did. I eventually explained to her that I knew the young girl and she was not begging for anything, that I wanted to bless her. I even told her I went with a team into her village each week. I had a relationship with her. She was shocked. I say this story because I think she missed out on an opportunity. She missed out on an opportunity to minister to someone and to see her beyond her situation. You see, ministering to people that are misunderstood in our lives, it's difficult. But when they don't have the love of Jesus, it can make or break their Christmas. For us, Christmas isn't about all this other stuff because we know the love of God. But for others, Christmas can be so painful because they have no joy in their lives. The love of God has not broken through. And what if you decide to make the difference? What if you decide to see something more than what everyone else sees about people? So maybe this Christmas there's a Grinch in your home or there's a relative who just knows how to be negative and maybe it's deeper than that maybe it's your spouse that tends to dampen the christmas spirit with their own issues but what if this christmas you listen to them what if you ask jesus to help you see past your own perspectives of them and actually seek to understand them galatians 3:28 says there's either excuse me there's neither jew nor greek there is neither slave nor free there is no male and female for you are all one in christ jesus In other words, Paul is saying to stop looking at the shallow things like race, titles, people's past, and start looking to what Christ says they are. If we are to be like Jesus this Christmas, if we are to encounter him, we cannot withhold his love from those around us that desperately need it, just like the Grinch. They don't need just a gift card or some cash. The Grinch in your life needs Jesus in you. And I encourage you today, don't withhold that gift.
2: maybe christmas means a little bit more i know what you're thinking uh who is this young 20 year old preaching to you today it's me pastor weston nice to meet you (laughs) no i i listen obviously i had to shave this beautiful beard that i i used to have to play the grinch this weekend and and whenever I was literally every single time I say that line in our production and I see this movie and I see the Grinch in tears realizing in this one moment, maybe Christmas means just a little bit more. Or as he would say, maybe Christmas means just A little bit more he has this realization like it it is this epiphany it is the culmination of why this movie exists because it's not just proving a point to the Grinch it's proving a point to us as human beings that's my favorite line in the entire movie that and oh my goodness you look fabulous right? It's, 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 just, it's packed full of funny, awesome moments. But when I, when I hear that, that awesome line, that maybe Christmas means just a little bit more, uh, I, I've come to find out that it is very popular. It's really popular. And, and this is what I mean by that. One day, Kelsey and I were in Lafayette and we were shopping in Hobby Lobby. Okay, she was shopping in Hobby Lobby, (laughs) and I I remember going down this aisle, and of course they had Grinch stuff, but they had all the Christmas decor up, and uh, of course it was marked 40% off and 50% off. Ladies, you know what I'm talking about, because you can't buy anything at Hobby Lobby full price. If you do, then you're a noob shopper (laughs) at Hobby Lobby. You don't ever buy anything 100% off or 100%. If it's 100% off, then it's free. So, but here's what I noticed about all the Christmas decor is that all these different items had this phrase on it by Dr. Seuss, by the Grinch, that maybe Christmas means a little bit more, not just proving a point in a movie, but trying to show us as human beings that so many times we get wrapped up. And the hustle and the bustle and the grind and the travel and the decor and the lights and and everything else and Christmas doesn't necessarily come from a store in fact Christmas means way more than that I want to tell you a story specifically about a young lady in the Bible that we have probably all heard about at some point in our life or another and it's this young lady that was interrupted her life was put on halt because an angel showed up at her doorstep and said hey I've got a little surprise for you I want to read this to you this is found in Luke chapter 1 verse 26 it says this in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy God sent the angel Gabriel to to Nazareth to a town in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named joseph a descendant of david the virgin's name was mary the angel went to her and said greetings you who are highly favored the lord is with you now i want to pause right here because i find it so interesting that this is the first words that gabriel said to mary this is the first thing that he showed up and he said hey you're highly favored. And watch Mary's response in verse 28. Mary was greatly troubled. She was freaking out in his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Listen, if an angel showed up at your doorstep and said, hey, greetings, peace be with you. I'm here. I want to give you a nice, warm greeting. Mary was troubled, y'all. She was freaking out. She didn't know what to do. She did, she wondered what this might be. This was confusing. But the angel said to her, "Do not be afraid." Listen, Gabriel, just a little heads up. Maybe you should have led with that. Maybe that should have been the first thing you said was, hey, don't be afraid. Don't freak out. I know that this is weird. I know this is a little scary. Don't freak out. You're highly favored. It's okay. (laughs) Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and be called the son of the most high. How all this will be in verse 34. How how is this going to happen? Mary asked. Since I'm a virgin, I don't understand. This is not logical. This doesn't make sense. The angel answered her. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. In verse 36. This is Gabriel giving her a little validity to all the the craziness, all the, I, I don't understand, this doesn't make sense, all the confusion that may come with this great news that he just threw on her. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she was said to be unable to conceive, and now she's, of course, in her sixth month. I want you to notice what happens in verse 37. It says this, for no word from God will ever fail, ever. Listen, this was a promise. This was a good news moment for Mary. Gabriel is literally coming to her and letting her know, hey, listen, you're about to have the son of God. You're about to have Jesus. This is an important moment. This is a valuable moment. But can we just put ourselves in Mary's shoes just for This one instance, literally Mary has got this plan laid out. And and I want to give you a, just a little a detail that you may not realize, or maybe you've kind of understood this before, but Mary was said to, and be understood to be around 12 to 16. She was a young teenager in this time period. And she had this five year plan to all mapped out. Everything was ready as she was about to be married to Joseph as they planned these marriages back then. And And, and literally, could you imagine, Gabriel the angel showing up and says hey listen I know you're young I know you have your whole life planned out I, I, I know you're about to get married and you're about to move and and y'all are gonna have this honeymoon and everything's gonna be great and I know I, I know like you guys are gonna have this beautiful marriage ceremony it's gonna be awesome but time out because guess what you're gonna be pregnant with the son of God congratulations How awesome is that? Wait, do what? (laughs) This one moment, Mary is taken back. She's confused. She's wondering. She's pondering. She's trying to put it all together because literally Gabriel has put a halt to all of her plans. And let's be honest. Sometimes we need that interruption. Let's be honest. Sometimes we need that same God moment for Jesus to enter into our life and say, hey, 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 I have a plan for you. I I have a purpose for you. And it may not be exactly what you thought it might be, but but can I tell you, I, I know if you'll just trust me. Because during this season of life, let's be honest, we can become very sporadic, it can become chaotic. There could be no peace whatsoever, and we need Jesus to come in and bring that peace. We need Jesus to come and be the Savior that he needed to be, especially for Mary in her life. She had no clue what was coming. She didn't expect it, but little did she know she needed it. Little did she know that Christmas would be forever changed, that her life would be forever changed, that Christmas meant A little bit more than what she expected it to be. Maybe Christmas means more than travel, hustle, bustle, decorations, and yes, even our personal gain. It's not about the presence. like Pastor said, Christmas is about his presence. Christmas is about God's presence in our life. Christmas doesn't come from a store, like the Grinch said. Christmas should be about our Lord. It should be our focal point. It should be the one thing about Christmas that no matter what goes on, no matter what 2020 brings, no matter what corona may look like, no matter what this season may look like in our life, the one thing that we need most is Jesus. The one thing, the one common denominator that can bring us all back to this firm foundation that he is good and he is God. That's what Christmas is all about. And that's what the Grinch realized. And that's what he realizes in our production. That Christmas means way more than what we in our human eyes set it up to be. It's about him. Always has been always will be Lord we love you God we thank you Lord Lord anyone under the sound of my voice listening God I pray that if they hear these words Lord they've listened to this message they've watched these movie clips God I just pray right now Lord that you would come in that you would enter in God that if there's anyone under the sound of my voice that that may be struggling, maybe walking through the season. They don't know up from down, God. They don't know where, where to start, where to go. Season, seasonally, Christmas just doesn't have the same connotation it has in the past. Maybe Christmas looks a little different. But, Lord, right now in this moment, come on, if you're listening to this, would you just stretch out your hands like I'm handing you a present And if you right now, you just need Jesus in your life, would you pray this prayer with me? Say, Jesus, I need you. I need you to come into my life and make it yours. I repent of my sin. I let go of my past. Have your way in me. I love you. I thank you. Forgive me. Make
0: me new. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Hey, welcome to this weekend's online-only edition of our services. We are in a series called Christmas at the Movies. We are taking some popular Christmas movies and pulling, believe it or not, biblical principles out of those movies and what we can learn and how we can apply those things to our lives. Last week, we used Home Alone to the sequel to Home Alone, learning about not repeating the same mistakes over and over again, that distractions can interrupt God's direction for our lives. But in the midst of those distractions, it doesn't mean that God's destiny for us is denied because God can use that and he cannot leave us alone alone. This week, as you can see in the descriptions, we are using The Grinch. What a timely presentation. We have been in our production of How Christmas Saved The Grinch, Friday, twice Saturday, Sunday night, and Monday night. Those showings are are full, have reached capacity, and we're having a great time with those. But we wanted to take the movie into Sunday morning. And share a message specifically from that. Going to do it a little bit differently today. Uh, I'm going to preach the first point. Our next-gen pastor, Amber Mesh, is going to preach point number two. Our student and connections pastor, Weston Weaver, is going to preach point number three. He's also a.k.a. The Grinch. So he will wrap that up, and then uh, Pastor Dylan will pray us out live on Sunday. We gave you an opportunity to see the clip. You can see that in the descriptions. My point is... Is simply from the song Uh, you're a mean one and so point number one as we work together as a team today to present this message point number one is don't be a Grinch don't be a Grinch Jesus constantly tried to convince arrogant unapproachable people to be humble and approachable. In scripture, they're called Pharisees. In the movie, they're called the Grinch. Today, we would call them religious, possibly arrogant. So the question that I have to ask myself, if I don't want to be a Grinch, oh, look, it's green. We normally go with yellow. It's creative. It's green for the Grinch. If I don't want to be a Grinch, I want to ask myself, am I approachable? I'll never forget, you know, everybody needs somebody in their life that that loves them but is not impressed by them. One of those people for me is Pastor Johnny Hunt. A little shout out. I'll throw it to him. He pastors a great church in Fairhope, Alabama, Celebration Church. He's been a best friend, mentor, big brother type figure that I never had for me. My first youth ministry event was Arkansas Youth Convention, and I came in with, I don't know, I think we had a solid three or four students that decided to ride with us to that event, and I came in, and, and I was used to, you know, walking onto a baseball field or onto a campus and trying to carry myself in a certain way, and um, and that had not yet gone away and so I walked into that Arkansas Youth Convention and Pastor Johnny walked up to me and he looked at me and he goes man why are you walking around like a bany rooster like people can't come talk to you why don't you lower your shoulders a little bit and look like somebody could walk up to you and have a conversation I don't know if he said all that but that's what I heard in my head I do specifically remember Baney rooster you know what Baney rooster is right he's walking around the yard he's got the bany rooster Are you approachable? Can people come to you? I'm not great at this. This That's why this was a great point for me. I have to be mindful of being interruptible, of being approachable, of not being naturally irritable. Ask it this way. Am I a friend everyone hopes to have or am I the one they dread to see coming? Am I the friend that everyone hopes to have? Am I the family member that everybody looks forward to seeing? Or am I the one that they all dread watching enter the room? Maybe ask this question. Am I a mean one? Mr. Grinch, am I a mean one? Do I encourage people or exhaust them? Do I build people up or do I break people down? Do people want to be around me? Do people enjoy being in my presence? Because I believe that people were drawn to Jesus. And and if, if I'm on his team, then people should want to be around me. People are attracted to authenticity. People are attracted to things that they want to be like, to the joy that we should walk in, to the peace that we should have in any situation, and yet the authority that we should walk within every situation. Do I build people up or do I just break them down? Do I encourage and exhort people or do I exhaust them? When people are around me, do they walk away defeated or do they walk away destined? Are they better because God put them in my path or am I a mean one? Paul wrote multiple letters to different churches, but to three different churches, the church of Corinth, the church of Ephesus, and the church of Thessalonica we see three different churches but one resounding message to all of those churches look with me and let's see if you can see this one message that Paul wrote to all three churches 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 19 i'm actually reading from the Berean study bible version Paul says, have you been thinking all along that we were making a defense to you? We speak before God in Christ. And all of this, beloved, watch, is to build you up. To the church of Ephesus, chapter 4, verse 29, Paul writes, I'm reading from the New Living Translation this time. Don't use foul or abusive language. He's saying don't tear people down. Lift people up. Don't engage in this toxic verbalization, this defeated language. I can't help but think that Paul probably knew That the tongue defined life or death, blessing or cursing, and that our mouth is really just an amplifier of our heart, as Jesus had already written, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth basically just lets you know what's going on. So Paul says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful. So that your words will be an encouragement, not an exhaustion. Your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Verse 31 this is not a recommendation, this is a requirement. Verse 31 says, Get rid of all bitterness, get rid of all rage. Don't be a Grinch. <laughs> get rid of all anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. We should get rid of that. It should not be allowed to exist. Watch. You don't just get rid of it. You replace it. Verse 32. Instead, be kind To each other, be kind one to another, forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. This is one of our quoted verses in our home. Hey, be kind one to another, forgiving one another just as God through Christ forgave you. Let that simmer for a second. Remember who you would be if it weren't for Jesus, and it will help you be more like Jesus. Final verse, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9. For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ. He, he saved us through our Savior Jesus. Not to pour out His anger on us, verse 10, because Christ died for us so that whether we are dead or alive when He returns... Whether we're still here in this physical body or this physical body is resting in our spirit and soul or with the Lord and we meet our bodies in the air. Whether we are dead or alive when he returns, we can live with him forever. Watch this, verse 11. So encourage each other. This one wraps it up for me. Encourage each other and build each other up just, just as you are prophetically already doing. Hey, watch this second clip. You can go to YouTube. You can see it in the comments and descriptions. Watch this second clip, and our next gym pastor, pastor, Amber Mesh, will follow with point number two.
1: So if you had the time to watch this clip, then point number two is pretty obvious. Don't forget about the Grinch. And if you didn't, I hope that you get to go back and watch. So, I don't know if you've noticed this, but this time of year isn't only Holly and Jolly. Sometimes it brings out the absolute worst, and not only us, but others like the Grinch. I'm reminded of Cindy Lou's statement though no matter how different they may appear, they should always be welcomed with holiday cheer. You know, thinking about the Grinch, he's known for being green, being smelly, and also being misunderstood. It's interesting though to consider his background. Why is the Grinch green and unlike everyone else? Well, he was from a different place and a different race of whose we could even say. The way that he looked was not something he could control, yet it was something others mocked or even feared. Have you been mocking anyone in your heart this Christmas because you don't want to actually get to know them? Maybe they don't seem worth the effort. You think you already know them, but really you're afraid of how different they are. They're so different that it makes you feel intimidated. So instead of ministering to them, you hold them at arm's length. Okay, let's talk about the smell. Why was he smelly? Okay, granted, according to the movie, he doesn't have the best hygiene. However, he was basically raised by himself. He left home at an early age and had no mentors. The only friend he had was a dog, a dog who probably wasn't that clean himself. There's most likely someone in your life that doesn't make the best decisions. They're not in their right mind. They tend to make you uncomfortable by the things they say. But is it possible that the person that's so hard to show love to is the one who needs it the most? Is it possible they were at some point in a situation that taught them to be the way they are? Maybe they didn't have encouragement, so now they're extremely negative. Maybe they didn't learn certain things that you learned growing up, and now they're just stuck in their past. You see, the Grinch was so misunderstood. He didn't actually just hate Christmas. He hated the feelings it brought up. He hated feeling lonely, rejected. He hated how the community saw him and marginalized him. He hated that Christmas reminded him of his past and of how others perceived him. I think some of us in here can relate to that. Years back, I was able to go on a long-term missions trip to Romania. I learned so much there about how to love people where they're at. I realize that it's not always a formula. It's just letting Jesus in you, out to others, whatever that looks like. A quick understanding of races in Romania. There are two significant races. There's the gypsies and there are the Romanians. The gypsies are darker skinned. They're normally living in poverty. Um, They're known for not the best things. They have this lively music. They tend to exploit their children on the streets, begging The Romanians are lighter skinned. Even if they themselves live in poverty, they are not judged for that. They're not judged the same way gypsies are based on the color of their skin. So basically what I'm saying is these races of people typically hate one another. I'm talking Romanians will kick gypsies on the street. They'll cuss them out, they'll throw things at them. They're regarded as trash to many Romanians because a deep-seated hatred exists between cultures. One day as I was walking with a friend, I saw a little gypsy girl that I knew on the street. She was with a group of her friends begging. She came out from among them, found me in line, and gave me a big kiss on the cheek. It was one of the best moments I've ever had. You see, the fact that she didn't ask me for money, she knew me, she had relationship, was growth for her. So I decided to buy her and her friends some ice cream to bless them. As I was doing all of this, the girl I was currently with begins to cuss at her. She continues to explain to me who gypsies are and that my whole body is now dirty because this little girl kissed my cheek. She explained to me that because I was American, I was ignorant to what I just did. I eventually explained to her that I knew the young girl and she was not begging for anything, that I wanted to bless her. I even told her I went with a team into her village each week. I had a relationship with her. She was shocked. I say this story because I think she missed out on an opportunity. She missed out on an opportunity to minister to someone and to see her beyond her situation. You see, ministering to people that are misunderstood in our lives, it's difficult. But when they don't have the love of Jesus, it can make or break their Christmas. For us, Christmas isn't about all this other stuff because we know the love of God, but for others, Christmas can be so painful because they have no joy in their lives. The love of God has not broken through, and what if you decide to make the difference? What if you decide to see something more than what everyone else sees about people? So maybe this Christmas, there's a Grinch in your home, or there's a relative who just knows how to be negative. And maybe it's deeper than that. Maybe it's your spouse that tends to dampen the Christmas spirit with their own issues. But what if this Christmas you listen to them? What if you ask Jesus to help you see past your own perspectives of them and actually seek to understand them? Galatians 3.28 says, there is, either, excuse me, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. In other words, Paul is saying to stop looking at the shallow things like race, titles, people's past, and start looking to what Christ says they are. If we are to be like Jesus this Christmas, if we are to encounter him, we cannot withhold his love from those around us that desperately need it, just like the Grinch. They don't need just a gift card or some cash. The Grinch in your life needs Jesus in you. And I encourage you today, don't withhold that gift.
2: maybe christmas means a little bit more i know what you're thinking uh who is this young 20 year old preaching to you today it's me pastor weston nice to meet you (laughs) no i i listen obviously i had to shave this beautiful beard that i i used to have to play the grinch this weekend and and whenever I was literally, every single time I say that line in our production and I see this movie and I see the Grinch in tears realizing in this one moment, maybe Christmas means just a little bit more. Or as he would say, maybe Christmas means just. A little bit more he has this realization like it it is this epiphany it is the culmination of why this movie exists because it's not just proving a point to the Grinch it's proving a point to us as human beings that's my favorite line in the entire movie that and oh my goodness you look fabulous Right. It's 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 just it's packed full of funny, awesome moments. But when I when I hear that, that awesome line that maybe Christmas means just a little bit more, uh, I've come to find out that it is very popular. It's really popular. And, And this is what I mean by that. One day, Kelsey and I were in Lafayette and we were shopping in Hobby Lobby. Okay, she was shopping in Hobby Lobby, (laughs) and I I remember going down this aisle, and of course they had Grinch stuff, but they had all the Christmas decor up, and uh, of course it was marked 40% off and 50% off. Ladies, you know what I'm talking about, because you can't buy anything at Hobby Lobby full price. If you do, then you're a noob shopper (laughs) at Hobby Lobby. You don't ever buy anything 100% off or 100%. If it's 100% off, then it's free. So, but here's what I noticed about all the Christmas decor is that all these different items had this phrase on it by Dr. Seuss, by the Grinch, that maybe Christmas means a little bit more, not just proving a point in a movie, but trying to show us as human beings that so many times we get wrapped up and the hustle, and the bustle, and the grind, and the travel, and the decor, and the lights, and and everything else. And Christmas doesn't necessarily come from a store. In fact, Christmas means way more than that. I want to tell you a story specifically about a young lady in the Bible that we have probably all heard about at some point in our life or another. And it's this young lady that was... Interrupted. Her life was put on halt because an angel showed up at her doorstep and said, hey, I've got a little surprise for you. I want to read this to you. This is found in Luke chapter one, verse 26. It says this in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to, uh, to Nazareth to a town in Galilee. To a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, I want to pause right here because I find it so interesting that this is the first words that Gabriel said to Mary. This is the first thing that he showed up and he said, Hey, you're highly favored. And watch Mary's response in verse 28. Mary was greatly troubled. She was freaking out in his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Listen, if an angel showed up at your doorstep and said, hey, greetings, peace be with you. I'm here. I want to give you a nice, warm greeting. Mary was troubled, y'all. She was freaking out. She didn't know what to do. She did, she wondered what this might be. This was confusing. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Listen, Gabriel, just a little heads up. Maybe you should have led with that. Maybe that should have been the first thing you said was, hey, don't be afraid. Don't freak out. I know that this is weird. I know this is a little scary. Don't freak out. You're highly favored. It's okay. (laughs) Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and be called the son of the most high. How all this will be in verse 34, how how is this going to happen? Mary asked, since I'm a virgin, I don't understand. This is not logical. This doesn't make sense. The angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. So the Holy one to be born will be called the son of God In verse 36 This is Gabriel giving her a little validity to all the the craziness, all the, I, I don't understand, this doesn't make sense. All the confusion that may come with this great news that he just threw on her. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she was said to be unable to conceive. And now she's, of course, in her sixth month. I want you to notice what happens in verse 37. It says this. For no word from God will ever fail. Ever. Listen, this was a promise. This was a good news moment for Mary. Gabriel is literally coming to her and letting her know hey, listen, you're about to have the Son of God. You're about to have Jesus. This is an important moment. This is a valuable moment. But can we just put ourselves in Mary's shoes just for? this one instance. Literally, Mary has... Got this plan laid out And, and I want to give you a, just a little A detail that you may not realize Or maybe you've kind of understood this Before but Mary was said To and be understood to be Around 12 to 16 She was a young teenager In this time period and she had This five year plan to All mapped out everything was ready As she was about to be married to Joseph as they planned These marriages back then And, and, and literally could you imagine Gabriel, the angel showing up and says, Hey, listen, I know you're young. I know you have your whole life planned out. I, I, I know you're about to get married and you're about to move and, and you're going to have this honeymoon and everything's going to be great. And I know, I, I know like you guys are going to have this beautiful marriage ceremony. It's going to be awesome, but time out. Cause guess what? You're going to be pregnant with the son of God. Congratulations. How awesome is that? Wait, do what? (laughs) This one moment, Mary is taken back. She's confused. She's wondering. She's pondering. She's trying to put it all together because literally Gabriel has put a halt to all of her plans. And let's be honest. Sometimes we need that interruption. Let's be honest. Sometimes we need that same God moment for Jesus to enter into our life and say, hey, 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 I have a plan for you. I, I have a purpose for you. And it may not be exactly what you thought it might be, but, but can I tell you, I, I know if you'll just trust me. Because during this season of life, let's be honest, we can become very sporadic, it can become chaotic. There could be no peace whatsoever, and we need Jesus to come in and bring that peace. We need Jesus to come and be the Savior that he needed to be, especially for Mary in her life. She had no clue what was coming. She didn't expect it, but little did she know she needed it. Little did she know that Christmas would be forever changed, that her life would be forever changed, that Christmas meant A little bit more than what she expected it to be. Maybe Christmas means more than travel, hustle, bustle, decorations, and yes, even our personal gain. It's not about the presence. like Pastor said, Christmas is about his presence. Christmas is about God's presence in our life. Christmas doesn't come from a store, like the Grinch said. Christmas should be about our Lord. It should be our focal point. It should be the one thing about Christmas that no matter what goes on, no matter what 2020 brings, no matter what corona may look like, no matter what this season may look like in our life, the one thing that we need most is Jesus. The one thing, the one common denominator that can bring us all back to this firm foundation that he is good and he is God. That's what Christmas is all about. And that's what the Grinch realized. And that's what he realizes in our production. That Christmas means way more than what we in our human eyes set it up to be. It's about him. Always has been always will be Lord we love you God we thank you Lord Lord anyone under the sound of my voice listening God I pray that if they hear these words Lord they've listened to this message they've watched these movie clips God I just pray right now Lord that you would come in that you would enter in God that if there's anyone under the sound of my voice that that may be struggling, maybe walking through the season. They don't know up from down, God. They don't know where, where to start, where to go. Season, seasonally, Christmas just doesn't have the same connotation it has in the past. Maybe Christmas looks a little different. But, Lord, right now in this moment, come on, if you're listening to this, would you just stretch out your hands like I'm handing you a present And if you right now, you just need Jesus in your life, would you pray this prayer with me? Say, Jesus, I need you. I need you to come into my life and make it yours. I repent of my sin. I let go of my past. Have your way in me. I love you. I thank you. Forgive me. Make me new. In Jesus' name.